Chapter 11 Under a moonless Pictland sky, three young Scots floated across Perth's North River. The water was cold and the night was black. The river cut through a rocky, sloped gorge rising from either bank. Boulders, lying one on top of another, formed the gorge's steep, jagged slopes. The large rocks extended from the base of the gorge to its crest, forming a torturous, labyrinth-like maze up the slope and rendering any route or passageway nearly impassable. The simplest means of crossing the river along the rear side of the Pict Castle, was the North Bridge. But the simplest means wasn't necessarily the safest. The Pict Guards ensured as much. Positioned at the rear of the castle, the North Bridge spanned the river and the gorge below. The bridge was seldom used, even by those residing in Perth. Its primary use was for the disposal of refuse from the castle. The North River and its gorge were natural deterrents for would-be foes, and the rugged terrain of the rocky forest beyond the river made common travel unsuitable. Because the natural defences of the surroundings provided sufficient protection, only a small contingent of guards was required to hold the bridge. The gorge was not the only challenge in approaching the castle from the rear. At the top of the gorge lay a lengthy hillside that stretched from the gorge crest, to the castle wall. The hillside offered no boulders, no trees, no structures to hide behind, only an open, barren slope. Beyond the slope stood the picked castle, lording over the hillside with a single wooden door framed into its isolated north wall. The door was the single means of entrance along the wall, and it was usually guarded, especially at night. From deep in the darkness of the gorge, Chorich crept from the river, his soaked black outfit dripping with water as he emerged. He hastily concealed himself behind a large rock along the riverbank, then he lifted his head and peered up at the bridge spanning high above. The dull hue of the sparsely placed torches lit the long wooden bridge just enough for Chorich to catch sight of two guards, who by appearances were oblivious to any threat of intrusion. Chorich glanced back at Les and Ronan. Come on. Wait a moment. Ronan's foot is wedged in the rocks, Les replied, as he rose from the water and pulled at his wet clothes. This garb you had us wear sticks to my thighs, especially now that it is soaking wet. I hope it's worth it, Les muttered. I would have preferred my kilt. I'll take note of that, Chorich remarked, looking down at his own feet and trying to find a footing. Then he heard a rock tumble and glanced over his shoulder. Ronan. You have to keep quiet, Chorich whispered loudly. He peered back at the bridge and scanned its length, yet he saw no movement from the guards. Chorich gained a footing and began his ascent up the rocky slope of the gorge. Ronan stared at Chorich's backside with a frustrated expression on his face. He rolled his eyes and moved forward to catch the two. When he reached Les, he glanced back across the river at the elevated tree line. Les, are you sure the horses are secure? Yes, Ronan, as I told you the last time you asked. Now, stop asking. Chorich moves slowly up the gorge in the darkness. Maneuvering the rocky crags along the slope proved difficult, if not outright exhausting. A slippery algae film glazed the gorge's stones, and the nooks between them formed a natural wedge where a simple misstep would likely yield a broken ankle. Chorich steadied his pace and eased upward, frequently scanning the bridge and the small guardhouse at its far end. Keeping track of the guards would not be easy with only six torches lighting the eighty-foot expanse, two torches at each end of the bridge and two more in the center. After negotiating the gorge and nearing its top, Chorich drew close enough to spy the north wall of the castle. The stone monolith sat prominently on the crest of the hill. 
Chorich took a moment to catch his breath as he gazed at the sight. Though the late summer nights had grown cooler, the climb had made him warm. Perspiration further moistened his already wet clothes and seeped into the black wraps that covered his neck and brow. Chorich moved ahead until eventually reaching the top of the rocky slope. Once there, he hid behind a large jagged boulder and peered around its side. Stooping in a crouch, he surveilled the castle and spotted two Picts guarding the lone door of the north wall. The enormity of the giant stone structure dwarfed the tiny wooden door. Chorich slowly swept his gaze across the open landscape of the hillside, searching for more guards. He saw none. When Les and Ronan reached the top of the gorge, Chorich waved his hand and signaled them. Two guards, he said, holding up his fingers, hoping they could see. He waited as they approached. Glad you could make it, Chorich said. Les glanced at Ronan and shook his head. Then the threesome took turns peering past the boulder at the large picked castle. The two castle guards remained on watch beside the lone door with a single torch mounted above them. Under the glow of the torch, the guards' shadows stretched down the length of the hillside, forming dark giants in the night. Though only two, their shadowy presence was foreboding. Can you reach them, Les? Chorich asked, hiding any sign of trepidation, if he had any. The tall Scot smiled. Can you get them both? He asked again. Not with the same arrow, Les said and his grin widened. It's nice to know you're having a good time, Chorich replied. He's not the one charging the castle, Ronan quipped. Chorich glanced at the bridge and pointed. Looks like two more are standing guard at the far end of the bridge, but it's hard to tell. I know I saw three when I left the horses and marked the path. They were talking, Les said. I'm not sure where the other one is. Maybe he's in the guardhouse. Or probably taking a crap, Ronan said with a snicker. All right, enough? Chorich replied. We know the plan. Les, after you drop the guards at the door, we wait. If the guards on the bridge don't notice and no one comes from the castle, then Ronan and I will head up the hill. Once we're at the door and in the castle, you'll have to take out the guards on the bridge and then get the horses. Chorich waited for a response. Right? He insisted. Yes, we know the plan, Ronan groused. Well, I want to make sure. I don't intend to die here tonight, so I want to be certain. Chorich glanced back and forth between the two, and his mind retraced to where he'd left off. Once in the castle, Ronan and I are going to find Angus. That's the part I'm not sure about, Les said. That could take all night, and we don't have all night? We know his quarters are on the east side, and he'll have a guard outside his room. That's the room we'll look for, Chorich replied. We'll be quick, just have the horses waiting when we get out. Sure, no problem, Les said. I'll shoot the guards, stroll across the bridge, get the horses, and wait patiently until you two come out. Got it. I know this won't be simple, but we have to. Chorich, I've got it. I'll have the horses, you two just get out alive, all right. Les said, working to keep his wits. The three nodded in unison. Chorich and Ronan peered back up the hill at the guards beside the door and prepared to move. Les extracted his longbow from the scabbard on his back. He attached its string to one end and placed the seated end on the ground. Then, leaning into the bow, 
he compressed it and seated the other end of the string. He lifted the bow and plucked its string like a skilled musician testing for tautness. Satisfied, he reached over his shoulder and pulled two arrows from his quiver. He turned to Chorich. Are you ready? He asked. Ready, Chorich said. Ready, Ronan added. Les paused, waiting for the breeze to settle. All was silent in the darkness, save the dull rush of the current passing below and the breathing of the three anxious Scots. The wind died. It was time, Les set an arrow in his string and eyed his prey. Holding his breath, he aimed the bow. I'm going for the one on the left, he uttered. The one on the right looks to be asleep. Chorich and Ronan stared at the guards, waiting for the twang of the recoiling bowstring. Twang, thump. Even across the distance, the three could hear the arrow's impact as it hit the guard's chest. They watched the man stagger and collapse. His giant shadow shrunk up the hillside and was gone. The second guard abruptly turned to his fallen comrade. Twang! A second arrow flew. Thump! The man released a cry of pain as the arrow drove deep into his shoulder. Chorich's head swiveled toward the bridge. The guards on the bridge were staring up the hill at the castle. Les, take the two on the bridge, I've got the one on the hill, Chorich exclaimed. Chorich never looked back. He broke into a sprint and charged the hill as if launched from a catapult. Ronan quickly followed. The wounded guard staggered to the castle door and pounded with his fist. The guards on the bridge dashed across the eighty-foot wooden span. One held a crossbow. Both sported swords. Reaching the end of the bridge, the Picts spotted the two Scots rushing the hill. The guard with the bow stopped and cocked his weapon while the other stormed forward in pursuit. The crossbowman lifted his weapon and aimed his arrow at Ronan's back. But it was another arrow, a long arrow, that flew first. Les's long arrow soared toward the bridge and clipped the crossbowman's side. The man let out a yelp and stumbled forward. Another arrow followed, and the man was finished. The guard at the castle continued to pound the wooden door. Chorich advanced toward the man, leaping up the hill with long strides and knife in hand. Suddenly, a frightening image flashed through his mind, an image of an army of Picts standing behind the door, preparing to descend upon him. Chorich never slowed. He tightened his grip on his knife. It begged for release. He would need to make it count. He waited and closed the distance. Then he raised his hand with his blade perched between his forefinger and thumb, and he flung the weapon forward. The knife spun end over end through the air and sunk into the base of the man's skull. The pounding stopped, and the man's body slumped to the ground. Chorich and Ronan reached the door, waiting for it to open, expecting it to open. Then they heard footsteps ascending the slope behind them. The sprinting guard raced up the hill with sword drawn. Les steadied his aim and tracked his target. The guard neared the Scots and lifted his sword. Les released his draw. The arrow swooped along the hillside like a bird of prey and nested in the guard's backside, piercing his left lung. The guard tumbled backwards down the slope, his body flipping over and over until it came to rest twenty feet from the bridge. The man was dead. Les stepped from his hidden lair and moved through the darkness toward the two dead Picts at the foot of the bridge, never noticing the movement at the opposite end of the bridge. 
Chorich and Ronan paced outside the door, watching and waiting, swords drawn and hearts pounding. The door never opened. Do you see that? Ronan asked. See what? Chorich said. The door has no handle, Ronan said. It only opens from the inside. They stepped to the door. There was no handle, no latch, nothing but the rectangular slab of the wooden door. Do we knock? Ronan groused sarcastically. Or do we wait for the guards to invite us in? Can you save the humor for later? Chorich said with a grimace before turning to scan the door. Well, I know this, we aren't waiting. We have to get in there now. He stepped to the door and pressed his hands against it, then he gave a hard push. You're not going to run at it. Ronan said, not sure if he was asking Chorich or telling him. Chorich, you can't run through the door. I'm not going to run through it, give me a moment to think. Chorich knelt beside the guard he'd slain, and he removed his knife, wiped the blade, and returned it to his belt. No wonder he kept pounding, he couldn't get in, he muttered to Ronan. He lifted from his stoop and approached the door. Sizing the door a second time, Chorich pushed on its sides, then the top, then the bottom. He pulled his knife from his belt and wedged the blade into the jam. I wonder, he said aloud without finishing. Les removed his arrow from the first of the fallen picts. The shaft was cracked and the arrow was worthless. He broke off the tip, discarded the shaft, and placed the tip in his quiver. Then he walked to his other victim and retrieved a second arrow. He inspected the shaft straight, still good. After returning the arrow to his quiver, he glanced to the far end of the bridge and then turned to view the hillside. Instantly, his head spun back to the bridge. His eyes had nearly missed a small detail at first glance a single torch remained in its mount on the far side of the bridge, but the second torch mount was now empty. He scanned the two guards on the ground beside him. Neither held a torch. Les seated an arrow in the string of his bow. At this range, he would have preferred his short bow, but his long bow would have to do. Click. From the outside, Chorich lifted the latch on the inside of the door. He removed his knife from the jam and eased the door open with a gentle push. Grabbing the torch mounted beside the door, Chorich crept across the threshold and poked his head into the entryway. He met no resistance, save the deep darkness of the castle hallway. He extended the torch at arm's length and his eyes combed the hall, tracing the array of rectangular stones forming its walls. He glanced back at Ronan, follow me. The two stepped inside and disappeared into the bowels of the picked castle. The first room they reached had a large opening extending from floor to ceiling, but no door. Chorich held the torch inside the entry and the dark room brightened. It appeared to be a sort of storage area, or armory, for the guards. A dozen crossbows lined the back wall and several shields and quivers, sat on the floor below the bows. Along the adjacent wall, roughly thirty swords, stood aligned in a row within a wooden rack, their blades worn and scarred. Grab a bow, Chorich whispered. Ronan stepped to the back wall and grabbed a crossbow and a quiver of arrows. Then he followed Chorich out of the room and down a long corridor. Several perpendicular halls intersected the corridor as the two pressed deeper into the castle. Its black rock walls were dimly lit with distantly spaced torches mounted six feet high. The flickering flames filled the walls with dancing shadows as the two crept forward. Chorich, how are we going to locate Angus in this maze? 
I don't know, but let's keep moving until we find something. Follow me and keep quiet. The two shuffled down the corridor, keeping their steps silent and swift. We should look for a bright hallway, Ronan said. I'd guess Angus keeps his end of the castle well lit. Shh, Chorich whispered, turning to Ronan with a finger over this mouth. Then his hand shot upward and he motioned to Ronan to halt as the two reached another intersecting corridor. Chorich peered around the corner and his eyes bulged through the black rack that covered his cheeks and brow. He pointed down the shadowy hallway and shifted his body to allow Ronan to see. Within the hallway, a large candle sat mounted outside a door, shining its light down upon a sleeping guard. The guard sat on a stool next to the door with his back pressed against the wall and his chin bent to his chest. He showed no movement, except the slow cadence of his chest rising and falling as he breathed. On the far side of the guard, a dull glow emanated from a square opening frame shoulder high in the door. Chorich handed his torch to Ronan. I'm going down there, he whispered. He gripped his knife tight in his fist, then eased down the length of the hall until he reached the guard. A quick inspection of the pit confirmed that he was sound asleep. Chorich stepped past the guard and peeked through the square opening in the door, then he quickly ducked his head. He glanced back at Ronan and shot a puzzled glare before lifting to peek again. Again, he ducked then paused for a moment. After double-checking the guard, he shuffled back to Ronan. What did you see? Ronan asked. A girl. Did she see you? Ronan whispered. No. Was she pretty? Ronan asked. I don't know. Well, was she? I couldn't tell, she was sleeping. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure, now shut up. We've got to find Angus. Les eased slowly along the bridge past the center-mounted torches, his longbow drawn and ready. He eyed the lone torch fluttering in the breeze at the far end of the bridge, then his focus moved past the torch toward the forest. Searching for movement, he saw none, except the slight sway of the tree branches. He quieted. The night hum of the forest and the passing water below were the only sounds. He glanced over his shoulder at the castle, hopeful the two were coming. Nothing. He took another step toward the far end of the bridge. His forearm shook under the draw of his flexed bow. Slowly, he released his pull and allowed the tension to ease from the weapon. As his muscles recovered, he replayed the plan is his mind, cross the bridge, get to the forest, and retrieve the horses, but where is the third guard? An owl hooted in the woods and Les stopped. He lingered a moment then crept forward. His shadow stretched in front of him, as he stepped along the wooden planks. Then something caught his eye. Something like the figure of a man appeared to be leaning against the far post of the bridge, but the figure wasn't moving. The dull light of the lone torch made it difficult to tell what his eyes were seeing. Les leaned into his bow, drew back the string, and leveled his weapon. He stepped forward, and the plank below his foot released a loud creak. He stopped. The figure didn't move. He stepped again. As he drew closer to the man-like figure, its form grew more discernible. It was not a man but rather a bucket hooked on a tall wooden stand, apparently water for the guards. Les inched ahead and the bridge creaked again. He stilled and gazed into the darkness. Suddenly, a shadow appeared from behind the guardhouse. Then a guard burst from the darkness, running with a torch lofted above his head and yelling a battle cry. The man rushed forward, 
undaunted, and he was heading straight toward the hanging bucket. That's not water in the bucket. The realization hit Les like a punch to the gut. It's oil for the torches. One touch of that torch and flames will shoot high enough for all Perth to see. Les released his arrow. It soared through the night air and planted itself below the guard's right clavicle. The torch dropped from the man's hand, and he fell forward. In his descent to the ground, the guard's head slammed into the bucket stand. The stand responded with a rocking, teetering motion, slopping its oil down the side of the hanging bucket. As the guard landed, the swaying stand gave way and toppled over with the bucket crashing beside it. In moments the overturned bucket emptied its content onto the bridge. The black goo slowly oozed over the planks and seeped into the wood. Les lowered his bow and raced past the unconscious guard and the empty bucket. He headed into the darkness of the forest and disappeared, time was burning away. This could be it, Chorich said. The glow of the intersecting hall ahead appeared brighter than the other halls. Do you think Angus is down there? Ronan whispered. We're about to find out. The two inched closer to the brightly lit corridor. Chorich eased his head past the corner and peered down the hall. A large picked guard stood beside the lone door in the hallway. The man held a five-foot polearm glaive with a twelve-inch blade that shimmered in the bright hall light. The guard was statuesque, gripping his glaive with both hands as if propping himself up. Chorich studied the Pict and prayed he was asleep. He leaned toward Ronan and lifted his index finger to signal a single guard. Then he pointed at the crossbow and gestured for Ronan to shoot the man. Chorich pressed his body against the wall and let Ronan pass. Ronan stepped forward and leaned around the corner. He raised the bow and took aim. Easing his finger through the trigger, the arrow released. It flew down the hall like a silent dart and struck the guard square in the neck. The big man dropped to his knees, sputtering and gagging. Chorich and Ronan rushed forward. When Chorich reached the guard, he delivered an angry kick to the man's chin. The Pict's teeth chomped together, and his body spun and collapsed to the floor, motionless. Chorich turned to the door. There was no square opening as before, but only a heavy iron latch. He pressed the latch. It didn't move. You'll need this, Ronan said, kneeling beside the guard. He tossed Chorich a key. Chorich inserted the key into the lock and gave it a turn. The bolt unlatched. Chorich raised his hand to his face and pulled his black wrap over his cheeks and nose. Satisfied, he reached to his belt and checked for his knife. He glanced at Ronan and nodded, then he slung the door open. The man in the bed stirred. Chorich stormed toward the bed and held his torch aloft. The man was still sleeping, and the man was Angus. His graying hair was matted and disheveled, and the wrinkles around his eyes were thick and distinct. He turned in the bed and reached for a blanket that covered his midsection. Ronan moved to the foot of the bed and reloaded the crossbow before lowering it from sight. Chorich nodded to Ronan and then shook Angus. My lord, I have news. I have news. Angus fought to lift from his slumber. His head rose from his pillow, and he gazed up at the man in black. I have news. We have killed Alpin of Dalriada. Chorich said, attempting to mimic the picked accent. As you have asked, he's dead. What, what are you saying? Angus replied, shaking his head to dispel the fog of sleep. 
What are you doing here, where is my guard? He demanded. Guard! Angus called to the hallway. Ronan began to lift the bow. Chorich glanced in his direction and shook his head, no. Ronan lowered the bow. Chorich glimpsed an empty torch mount on the wall beside the picked lord's bed. He deposited his torch into the mount, then he turned and gazed down at Angus. We've come to tell you the news of Alpin. You wanted the news, yes. Of course I wanted the news, but not at this hour you fool. Angus rubbed his face. Guard! Angus called again. He set his feet on the floor and lifted from the bed. He had expected Chorich to move, and a puzzled expression appeared on his face when Chorich didn't. Chorich shoved his hand against Angus' chest and pushed the picked lord back to the bed. In a blink, Chorich's knife lay pressed against Angus' throat. So it's true. You wanted Alpin dead? You sent the men clothed in black. Chorich pulled down his black wrap to reveal his face. Angus' eyes burned as he studied the features of the young Scot. The resemblance was uncanny, it was though he was staring at Alpin, thirty years younger. The son of Alpin, Angus sneered. You were behind this, weren't you? Chorich exclaimed. It was you. You sent the men who tried to kill us. He locked eyes with Angus as his knife pulsed in his grip, ready to sever flesh. Angus slowly lifted his hands in front of his chest as if to stay his executioner. At the same moment, Ronan lifted his crossbow and pointed it at Angus. Angus glared at Ronan and then back at Chorich, gaping at the two with the maniacal gaze of a caged animal. I knew the Britons were after your father. And yes, I admit, I would not stop them if their intent was to put an end to his madness. His madness. This is your madness. It was the Britons. Shut your mouth? Chorich yelled. It was your men, in these black wraps. Their painted arms prove it. Mercenaries, Angus said. They were someone else's mercen. Slap. The sound echoed in the room as Chorich's hand landed hard against the picked lord's face. Your lies will be your end, old man. Angus glared at Chorich as he lifted his hand to wipe the blood from his lip. Tell me what I want to hear. I know you were behind the men hunting me and my father. It was your men. You gave the orders to kill my father. Angus offered no response. You were also behind the Viking raid on Renton, weren't you? Weren't you? Ronan aimed his bow at Angus' head. Angus held his tongue. Where are they? Where are my people? Chorich demanded. Your people? I don't know what you are talking about. Yes you do, you've conspired with the Vikings. You had them raid Renton. You carried out your threats against my father. You'll regret the day you gave the order. Now I am going to ask you again, where are they? I do not know. The butt of Chorich's knife swung swiftly, and Angus never saw it coming. The blow to the temple knocked Angus from the bed to the floor. Angus reeled in pain. He shook his head, wincing and gasping for breath. Sweat formed on his brow, and his heart thumped in his chest. He blinked his eyes rapidly and then widened them to focus. Chorich grabbed the crossbow from Ronan and stepped to Angus and kicked him in the gut. Angus doubled over, and Chorich pointed the bow at the picked lord as he groveled on the floor at Chorich's feet. You know where they are, now tell me. 
Angus slowly rose to his knees and lifted his head. The razor tip of Chorich's arrow hung inches from his eyes. Angus stared past the silver arrowhead and up the bow to the young man holding its trigger. Angus then realized that he wasn't sure if Alpin truly was dead or alive, and if Alpin was dead, the young Scot had little to lose. I do not have your people. The Vikings do. Is your father dead? The question surprised Chorich. He turned to Ronan, who was now standing guard at the door. His eyes swung back to Angus. Do not speak of my father. I want to know about my people. Where have the Vikings taken them? I only know what my scouts have told me, Angus said. Then tell me what you know. I have been told that they are far to the west. Chorich, we've got little time, Ronan interjected from the doorway. Chorich peered at Ronan. Ronan glanced down the hall, then motioned with his eyes for Chorich to hurry. Where in the west, Angus? Chorich insisted, spitting as he spoke. I don't know. You're lying. Chorich yelled. He moved the tip of the bow to Angus' leg and pressed it against his thigh. I swear to Almighty God, I will release this arrow into your leg, as you did to my father. He jammed the arrow tip into the meat of Angus' thigh. Now tell me where my people are. Angus released a loud groan. My scouts report that they are far west of Loch Lomond, toward Ardmuknish Bay, near the Inveror Woods. Now leave me. Angus gasped. Chorich, I hear someone coming. Let's go, Ronan said. Chorich glared at Angus. The thought of killing him entered Chorich's mind, he was angry enough to start a fight, but smart enough to avoid a war, at least at this moment. You better pray I find them. Chorich said, and he ground the sharp metal tip farther into Angus' leg. I do not fear you, old man, or your painted soldiers, and this is for my father. Chorich raised the bow and slammed the head of the arrow deep into the picked lord's thigh. Metal pierced muscle. Angus howled in pain. Chorich withdrew the bow and its bloody arrowhead, then darted out the door only moments behind Ronan. Angus collapsed to the stone floor, wailing and gripping his leg. Damn you, Scott. Damn you and your father, Angus yelled as the two Scots vanished down the hall. Chorich rushed down the corridor trailing Ronan, the footsteps of approaching men echoed behind him. When he reached the corner, he glanced back. Three guards rounded the corner at the opposite end of the long hall. Chorich wondered if they saw him, yet he didn't wait to find out. He turned the corner and ran as fast as his feet would carry him. We must hurry? Ronan said, reaching a second corner. He turned, and disappeared. Chorich rounded the corner and flew forward to catch up with Ronan. Passing by one torch after another, the pathway down the corridor began to look familiar, but at the same time the pathways in every direction looked familiar. The two slowed to a jog, not completely certain they were moving in the right direction. As they neared an intersection of hallways, a sudden shadow appeared from the adjacent hall. Then a picked guard materialized and filled the intersection. The guard flinched when seeing the Scots, and a woman behind the guard screamed. Ronan shoved the man, and the guard lost his balance and stumbled backward, crashing into the woman, and sending them both to the stone floor. The woman's screams echoed through the maze of hallways as Chorich and Ronan sprinted ahead. Elsewhere in the castle, Aidan stirred and rose from his bed. 
several guards rushed past his doorway. He grabbed his sword and quickly followed. He tried to run, but the lingering sting of his burns slowed his pace. Determined, and curious, he ignored the pain and pressed ahead. When Aidan arrived at Angus' room, he found the picked lord's quarters lined with guards. The men had surrounded their leader and were helping him to his feet. Are you all right, my lord? Aidan heard a guard ask. Do I look all right? Get Mate. Angus ordered the man and then he turned to the other guards. You three. There are two men dressed in black. Find them. I want them caught, dead or alive. Yes, my lord. The response came, and the guards hustled from the room. Aidan watched as Angus hobbled to his bed and began wrapping a sheet around his bloody thigh. Ronan and Chorich raced down the long hallway. Ahead, the hall ended and turned a corner. This is it. Ronan called, recognizing his whereabouts. The weapon room is around the corner, and so is the doorway out. Ronan stepped to the corner, and froze in his tracks. At the end of the connecting hall, a single picked guard stood at the threshold of the castle exit doorway. The man was waiting for the Scots. He stood ten paces away, and was the only thing standing between Ronan and his freedom. Aidan stepped into Angus' quarters, gazing at the picked lord as he feverishly tended his leg. Who were these men? Aidan asked. Angus' eyes shot upward. When he saw Aidan, he paused and glared at him. The men who attacked me were savages. They were mercenaries, sent by the Vikings. They have killed your father, and now they've tried to kill me. If they are the men who killed my father, then you won't need your guards. I'll hunt them down and kill them myself. Aidan declared and departed in a blur. Chorich closed on Ronan. As Chorich reached the corner, he showed no signs of slowing. He raised his crossbow and rounded the corner. Flying past Ronan, he sighted the guard in the doorway and pulled the trigger. The arrow shot from the bow and ripped through the picked sternum. Chorich charged forward, lowered his shoulder, and struck the waning guard. The man tumbled backwards, and Chorich broke into the dark night. Chorich slowed to a stop and regained his balance. He peered back through the doorway at Ronan, still standing in the dimly lit hall. Chorich lifted his black wrap over his nose. Are you coming? Ronan hurried to the door. He bent down, grabbed the sword from the fallen picked, and followed Chorich down the hill. Les held the reins of his horse in one hand and the leads of Chorich's and Ronan's horses in the other. Traversing the forest, he kept the two horses in tow. When he reached the clearing, he was fifty yards from the bridge. The guard at the foot of the bridge lay where he had fallen, face down and unmoving. Les peered across the gorge and up the hill at the castle. The open door of the castle still held a dull glow emanating from its inner hall, but the doorway was empty. His eyes quickly moved along the length of the bridge. The torches continued to burn, but the bridge was empty. Suddenly, the glow in the castle doorway grew brighter. Voices echoed in the distance, and Les squinted to scan the dark hillside. Two figures were descending the hill, and in the same moment, three figures burst from the castle door. Chorich and Ronan were halfway down the hill when an arrow from a picked crossbow nicked Ronan's leg. Ronan stumbled and dropped to a knee. Chorich turned to help his friend. 
Another arrow came and flew past the two. You all right? Chorich asked, lifting Ronan to his feet. Ronan felt his leg. Yeah, I'm okay. It's not bad. Chorich glanced up the hill. The three guards were closing in, and a fourth appeared in the castle doorway. Les watched as one figure on the hill dropped and the second turned to help. Jerking his reins, he rode for the bridge, bringing the other two horses behind him. When Chorich and Ronan reached the base of the hill, they were thirty yards from the bridge. The pursuing Picts were close behind and coming fast. Chorich turned to engage the Picts. He then realized his crossbow was empty, and he tossed it aside and drew his knife. Ronan turned beside him, and gripped his newfound sword with both hands. The first guard sized Chorich and then charged, swinging his blade at Chorich's head. The second guard eyed Ronan. He raised his sword and inched forward. As the first picked came at Chorich, Chorich dodged sideways. Then he lifted, spun on his heels, and shoved his knife into the guard's back. He removed the blade, and the guard fell. The third guard stood ten feet away, glaring at Chorich and ready to attack. Ronan swung his sword at the second guard. Their swords made a loud clang as the two blades met. They volleyed back and forth, lunging and blocking, striking metal on metal. Chorich stepped toward the third guard. The two moved in a half-circle, measuring one another from head to toe. Hoofbeats approached, but neither man turned, it was the guard's last mistake. The weight of the giant animal knocked the man off his feet. The horse ploughed ahead and trampled the pict as Les spurred the beast and snuffed the life from his enemy. The second pict, contesting Ronan, heard the wail of his comrade and turned to glimpse the horse. Ronan saw his opening, and he lunged forward and buried his blade in the man's chest. Mount up, we've got to go. Les yelled, turning his steed toward the bridge where he had left the other horses. Ronan ran to his horse and mounted the animal. Chorich gazed over the three dead men. In the darkness, he caught sight of a fourth figure at the foot of the hill charging toward him, not twenty feet away. Bloodthirsty and vengeful, Chorich sprinted toward the figure. The two collided at top speed, and Chorich's larger, heavier mass toppled the man, knocking him to his backside. The man let out a bellowing groan as his body hit the ground with a thud. He slowly rolled sideways and gripped his shoulder in pain. Chorich regained his footing and stared down at the man. He gazed at the bandages that wrapped the man's cheek and neck and extended below his shirt. Let's go. Now. Les yelled again. Chorich glanced at Les and hesitated. More will be coming, let's go. Les repeated. Chorich left the man and sprinted to his horse. He mounted and stared back at his foe. Not tonight, but your time is coming too, picked. Chorich yelled. The three turned their horses and rode onto the bridge. Aiden lifted to a sitting position, wheezing and laboring to suppress the pain that surged through his body. He rose to his feet and hurried after the three riders in a hobbled sprint. At the center of the bridge, Les slowed his horse. He leaned in his saddle and grabbed a torch from its mount. Chorich and Ronan rode past and Les followed. Once across the bridge, they stopped, spun their horses, and stared back at the castle. The fourth man was still coming. The three Scots watched with indifference as the man struggled onto the bridge. 
Did you get what you came for? Les asked. Yes, I got enough, Chorich replied, breathing heavily and working to catch his breath. Les raised his arm and threw his torch at the black goo that covered the nearby planks. A burst of flames erupted when the torch hit the oil-soaked wooden bridge, completely engulfing the near end of the structure. The three watched in awe as a hot orange fire shot upward from the planks and a thick black plume of smoke rose into the night sky. Aiden slowed and stared past the lofting flames. He panted for air and squinted through the blaze at the riders in black. The fire and heat blurred their silhouettes. Your time is coming, you bastards, your time is coming, Aiden muttered to himself. The three Scots turned their horses and rode into the night. Aiden stepped back from the fire and drew a deep breath. Pain surged through his arm and shoulder. The fight on the hill had opened his wounds and set his burns ablaze. And the heat of the nearby fire only added to the sting. He suddenly felt as though he were trapped in an oven. His vision went black, and there, alone on the burning bridge, he fainted.